I believe there are two ways to look at your career. One is like it's a minefield, filled with devices put there by others, expectations, constraints, bias, pressure, glass ceilings, glass cliffs. Or the other is that it's a playing field and you can master the game with tools, mindset, support, communities, and a powerful stance that helps you own your story, take your place, and step into your power. While the former certainly is rooted in a lot of systemic realities, this podcast, it's about the latter. This podcast is about us, as women, doing our thing to make our career our very own playing field. Welcome to Speaking with Women. I'm your host, Vivishi Haile. I'm a serial entrepreneur. and the mom of one, a third culture kid, a career and personal branding advisor, and I am pretty obsessed with helping women step into their professional power. So I invite you to join me and let's step into our power together. I'm here to succeed and succeed I will. And I will not succeed having to give up other things that are important to me. This episode is a special one for me and I wanted to come on and tell you why. I haven't even scripted the intro. I just sort of wanted to share with you what this episode means and why. I think when I did the first episode, I told you that at some point I would come on and tell you about my story. So I'm going to share a little bit of my background. My parents are from Africa. My father is from Ethiopia and my mother is from Rwanda. And I lived until I was 17 years old in different African countries. So the longest one we lived in was Kenya. So I grew up in Nairobi. And then I went to Togo and I also lived in Ethiopia. Because my father traveled a lot, we also got to go to different countries when we weren't living in them. So I got to go to Ghana. I went to Senegal. I went to Egypt. So we traveled quite a bit. And I left Africa at 17. I went to France and from there I came here. And a piece of my heart has always remained back home. And this idea of home is one of Africa in general. There isn't a particular country that's associated to it, although you might say that Rwanda and Ethiopia are closer to my heart just because of my origins, but it's a general feeling of home for Africa. And in that feeling, Lagos and Nigeria hold a special place. Lagos has always had for me this aura of entrepreneurship, of vibrancy. It was a city that moved, a city where things happened, a city where people hustled and made things happen. And so to have the opportunity to go back home, to have this conversation with Bimini, who was in Lagos, who is herself a powerhouse of a woman, you'll discover such an amazing, balanced view. She gives me a window into what's happening in the African workplace. And it's a very large term to say the African workplace. I mean, I don't think she can do that from Lagos, but she does give me access to it, a little window to what's happening. And for that, I'm very grateful. I'm grateful for her generosity. I'm grateful for the fun I had having this conversation and to have been able to go back home even for just 20 minutes on Zoom one morning. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and let's listen to Bimini's story. Something that happened to me about two years ago. So all my life, I've done a bit of audit 
financial services than FMCG. So 70% of my career has been spent in FMCG space. So two years ago, I decided to change jobs. So I was in Procter & Gamble at the time, and I decided to leave for um, a beverage manufacturing sector, Diageo mm-hmm. to be precise. And in that sector, it's really about alcohol, 80% alcohol, beer, mm-hmm. spirits, and all. So I remember my first encounter. Surprisingly, this encounter was not necessarily even with a man. It was with a fellow woman who said to me that the only way to be successful in the sector was to plug all my time and energy into the work, um, get my nightlife up and going. The work was really about going to the clubs and, you know, she painted a gory picture of you can't have a family, you can't have a marriage and be successful in this alcohol business. And that was shocking for me. It was heart-wrenching for me coming from a fellow woman. Although she wasn't married, she's still not married. But, you know, from a supposedly senior person to someone who's just coming on board, that was not a good way to help you settle in or to help you achieve your objectives. It was a regular thing coming from the male folks, you know. Men would always just look at you, no, you can't do that. It's, it's men, it's the man's world, it's the men's space, you know, it's a boy club thing. And, you know, people like me, I think I'm just very big on, no, anything a man can do, I can do as well, which is what made me take up the challenge to come into the beer sector because I really just wanted to have the experience and, you know, take it on my in my life story that, yes, I played in this space that is male-dominated and I succeeded. So getting that kind of feedback from a fellow female was shocking. But, you know, I responded to her saying, I'm here to succeed. And succeed, I will. And I will not succeed having to give up other things that are important to me. I will bring myself to the table 110% every single time put in the amount of work needed to bring myself to the table prepared. But then when I'm off work, I am completely off work. When I am home with family, I am home with family. When it's time for me, when is my me time, it is my me time. But the time that I love to work, you would not find me wanting. Mm. And that was my response to her. And that told me something that, you know, if I have been bringing myself to the table 110, I actually would do 120 yeah. so that nobody, you know, makes the excuse of, oh, it's because she's married. She can't do this. She can't. No. The relationship and interactions between women in the workplace has come up quite a bit during the virtual coffee tour. And it's one that I've found important to highlight, but also It's not curious. I'm not curious about it. I'm wondering what are the underlying reasons? I think it's very easy to say women don't support women. I hear that a lot. Or, you know, that's not true. Women support women. I think it's a bit more complex than that. And I wonder what are the dynamics? What are the organizational culture elements that create spaces where women? don't support each other in the way that we would want to be supported. There is something that feels like a breach in communication. More than expressively wanting to be hurtful, it feels like there's a breach in communication somewhere. Something is happening 
where maybe we feel like we need to protect the space. Maybe we feel that if we show up in a certain way, it has risks that we're not willing to take. Maybe we feel like we need to warn other women about things that have been or felt risky for us and maybe don't resonate with this woman. But there is something going on because literally this has come up, I'd have to say, 80% of the time in the conversation. So I don't have an answer. I have questions and I encourage you to also think about it. And I encourage you to think about it while staying away from the easy answers, the ones that come spontaneously to you because you have had an experience that's unpleasant or you've been told about an experience that's unpleasant. Let's think about what's happening and why. And let's see if we can get a conversation going on about that without hiding the fact that it actually does happen. But why? So tell me what you think are three things that are holding women back in their career. And let me also add a level to this. I haven't asked this question before, but I am so interested in the space in Africa and what's happening, and I don't have access to it. So when I ask you this question, what are the three things that hold women back in their career? I'm also hoping that you can have the lens of being in Africa and being in a cosmopolitan African city so that I can start to get a sense of what is happening. And maybe if there are differences, I don't know. I have not had the opportunity to ask this before. Okay. All right. Thank you for that question. And um, if I would point at the top three things, so there's more than three things that yes. I hold the women yes. back. <laughs> but, you know, the top three things, I would first of all start by saying the societal expectation or stereotype. That would be the very first thing. The, if you look at typical Africa, and I start from my mother's generation. My mother was schooled up to secondary school mm. in Nigeria, that's really high school. And I recall her telling me when I was much younger that she was never meant to go to school. In her time, female kids were not seen to be um, deserving of education. But luckily for my mother, her uncle was a school headmaster mm. who said to her dad, send her over to me. She would live with me and she will be educated. That's how my mom got educated. Mm. My generation, with the experiences my parents had, my dad struggled because his own father died. But, um, and I'm from a family of three girls. So with that experience combined, my parents prioritized education for us, girl children. But the society doesn't expect much of a woman in Africa. You're expected to grow up being domesticated, get married. There's just a very big expectation around marriage, mm. almost to the point that if you ain't married, there's just something wrong. You know, you're 30, 35, 40. Oh, my God. You know, married looks like you committed an offense. Yeah. That's how it is in Africa. So that places a whole lot of pressure on the female. So as opposed to living your life the way a man is expected to grow, you, you leave your parents' house after your education, get a job, start to fight for survival, start to build your assets, get married, um, procreate, have children, nurture your children, get ready to hand over the baton to the next generation, you know, typically male. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's not how a woman's life expectation is. It's really just grow up, know how to cook, go to the market, 
keep the home clean, get married, repeat that, take care of the man, and just die off. Basically, I think that's the biggest limitation. But then I'm happy to say also that that narrative is changing. Because if you look at Africa today, take the primary education level with the um, awareness that the girl child has the same capacity to succeed as much as the male child has. You find that in schools these days, when there are competitions, you find the females doing way better than the male. I've seen it numerous times. I've engaged with those in the academic sector. They see this playing out. That the females, you know, because we're able to multitask, that's part of how we are created. It comes through even in the educational sector. And a lot of women are going on to do really great things. In my generation, I'm happy to say I'm part of the women changing the narrative. I'm part of the women who are currently sitting in the boardroom and making sure that our voices are heard. It's tough, but, you know, we, we keep pressing on, encouraging other women to do the same. So that the first one is the stereotype. The second one I would say is... um. How do I put this? I, I want to call it the boys club thing. The fact that we're seen as the weakest sex. It still goes back to this whole stereotyping thing, but you know, the whole boys club thing and um, in the boardroom, when decisions are about to be made, you know, just recently I had to sit in for um, someone who was to go on leave in my organization. And you know, people's expectation was I would not perform. And I was wondering why. What does he do, really? You know, I came on board. First and foremost, tried to understand the business, what was going on. Picked a few things. Fixed them. And by the time he got back, I handed over the business to him. And, you know, I saw, someone called me up one day and said, Timini, you did so amazingly well, <laughs> you know, in the three weeks you stepped in for this guy. And I said to him, it's not a big deal. Life is really all about understanding the situation, understanding what is needed to make something work, and just going after it and tracking. That has nothing to do with sex or the sex of a human being. It just simply has to do with your personality and the, the determination to succeed. So there's just that general thinking that, oh, some things are best suited for men, especially when it comes to physical activity, getting on the field, engaging customers. I say absolutely no to that. I have done it too many times in my life. I continue to do it. And I believe any woman is capable of doing it. If a man is going to spend 10 hours on the field to achieve an objective, I believe a woman, a smart woman, can choose to spend half of that time, five hours, and achieve much more than the man would achieve. It's all about just being strategic and thinking different. And if I were to say the third thing that I think limits women, is also the acceptance of what the society expects of us. You know, it's one thing for the society to expect that you won't do well. It's one thing for you to say, no, I'm going to give my best. But it's one thing to accept it and leave it. I see some women do that. They accept it. They leave it. No, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I'm not sure I can. You know, more like second-guessing ourselves. We do that a lot. Even for those of us who are pushing the narrative, sometimes you're so frustrated and you start to second guess, am I really up to the task? But, you know, just accepting it alone kills any hope that could be on the table. 
it kills the aspiration. And accepting it is also what makes some women pass down the negativity mm. to upcoming younger ones. And then just totally distort the narrative we are trying to push and advance, saying women can do it. Let's go forward. Let's try. Even if we fail, we learn, we come back again. And, you know, in every, in every generation, we've seen women who, who have stood out because of what they believed in. They were not the most popular voices on the table, but they did pass their time. And I think some of us are holding on to those learnings and really pushing that conversation. There's many more in my generation, in my children's generation. I believe there'll be so much more. And honestly, I see a future in Africa where women change things. I see a future in Africa where women take the reins of leadership and turn things around. Look at Africa. The men have run Africa for so long, yet we are where we are. If you look at the whole COVID situation, the countries where we had women leadership, the data shows that they had better management of the whole COVID situation. I look forward to a time in Africa where more women will have voices on the table, where women will be heads of state and presidents like Liberia, we had in Liberia. And I believe women will change the conversation, will really bring about the needed change in Africa, in the organizations, in our boardrooms, in the homes. And most importantly, we are multitaskers and we can do, we have capacity to do so much more than what we currently see in the society. There it is again, that boys club. I think we can think of the boys club as a metaphor. There's not a literal boys club with this global conspiracy. But there are conversations that are happening in spaces where often women and other marginalized groups are not. And those conversations lead to decisions. Those decisions lead to results and to impacts with which we are not involved. So what this points to is the importance of being at the table and being at the right table. Again. Remember that this podcast is about what you can do. We acknowledge the deeper systemic forces that need to be addressed by all of us participating that need to be worked on. But what can you do? What stretch assignment can you take that will put you in a sphere you normally don't have access to? What does your network look like? How intentional are you about building that network? When was the last time you actually asked for access? Have you started looking at those volunteer board positions that will lead to the experience that you need to get on corporate boards? So what I want you to take away from this excerpt is the question, what can I do to get access to the right tables? Now, don't go at this question with frustration and a desire to immediately solve the situation. Let it sit in your mind as an intention with curiosity and enthusiasm. Now let's look at the three things that can help women show up more confidently. So um, for me, the first thing is education. Mm. <laughs> you ain't going nowhere without being educated. And you can only give what you've got. If you do not have the right knowledge, you can't give it. So women must take it as a point of duty to be educated. And education doesn't stop at school level. And I say that every time. And even personal, in my personal life, every single year, I push myself to either learn something new take a course look at what is relevant for the now what is going to be relevant for the next 10 years and i deliberately take myself and try to plug myself in that space mm. that is what i intentionally do for me 
my kids see me do this and you I, i'm so proud to say even my children jelly really do the same my older daughter just last week said to me mommy can you please pay for a course on Coursera? i want to up my skill in art i looked at her like oh wow how are you going to juggle that with school? she said mommy don't worry I'm going to plan my timing and do this on weekends. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm making progress. That means it's working. That's what we must do. Yeah. We must consistently learn, relearn, because knowledge is everything. So that's one thing women must do. Women must also not be lazy. I know naturally we're not lazy, but we can't afford to be mentally lazy. It's not about just taking care of the home, taking care of the kids, cooking. Those are amazing things to do. We must all know how to do them. But over and above that, you know, we must be mentally alert. Mm. We must push ourselves. It's so important. If we are able to raise children and nurture them, then I see nothing. that I see no reason why we can't do a lot more or, or other things. Because nurturing a child is a lot of work. And what I realized, you know, there's this thing they say, do as I, as I, do as I do, not just do as I say. Mm. Our parents raised us a lot on, don't do this. They just tell us, you know, this is how this. But when you watch your mother succeed, there's no better lesson than watching how your mom put in the time. Sometimes I'm in my room, working till late hours, trying to make up um, and get the documents done on time. And sometimes my kids are watching and I'm like, this is very important. I cannot afford to miss a deadline. So somebody doesn't tell me it's because I'm married. I would put in the time, make sure it is excellently done and submitted before time. If I have a meeting at 12, I will be at that meeting by 11.58 at the worst. What am I doing? I'm pushing myself. I don't want excuses. You know, we can't be mentally lazy. We can't be making excuses that women know I have children to take care of. I need to drop my kids off in school. Hey, woman. Plan your time better. Drop them off in time and still be at that meeting. Then wait for the men to look for the next excuse. Mm -hmm. You know? So for me, that's so powerful. We can't afford to be mentally lazy. We must challenge the status quo consistently. And I think one last thing, which is also very important. As we do all the things we do, we still need to be courteous and polite to our male counterparts. You know, in this narrative, I see women trying to degrade men. That's not it. And that's not right. And that will lead to war. In the homes in Africa, I see a lot of divorce. I've been married 14 years. And um, thankfully, I'm married to my friend. And, you know, we, we have conversations from time to time. We coach younger ones. And what we find is the woman, seemingly because of this new narrative of a woman can do, women are pushing themselves and trying to degrade their husband. Mm. I say no to that. It's important we all grow together. It's important we know how to pass on our ideology. We know how to put our conversations on the table politely so mm. that rather than fighting to get our voices heard, we're collaborating to get our voices heard and to make our impact in the society. So for me, I'll say we need to take care of that bit because it's playing out significantly in the workplace, the home front across the society we must collaborate not fight to get our voices heard or to put our well, make our stand on no no so for me that that's an important one which i think is often overlooked
I'm going to jump in here one last time with a public service announcement. Do you remember in my conversation with Sandy, I told you about this rule that I had against more degrees, certifications, or any other form of what I call procrastination on fully showing up. I think Bimini and I hit on the exception to that rule. The exception to that rule is when you're educating yourself out of curiosity and a forward-looking perspective. You're tooling up, you're skilling up. When what you're learning is not keeping you from doing something new, nor is it a self-imposed condition to you taking on an opportunity, then it is working towards your growth and it is not feeding your fear. Okay, thank you for listening to this episode of Speaking with Women. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss episodes. I think I'm supposed to also tell you to rate this podcast on Apple or wherever else one rates so that it can get in front of people. I heard this on Real Podcasters, so I'm trying it out on you. <laughs> so right now, the focus of this podcast is the 2020 virtual coffee tour. But I've started having other conversations as well. I'm having conversations with women around personal branding. And more than personal branding, it's about fully showing up in your life, in your work, in online. And I'm talking with these amazing women. So I'm really looking forward to you listening to these episodes. And I'll be dropping them from time to time in between the virtual coffee tour episodes. So I hope all of this is helping you to own your story, take your place, and step into your power. <laughs>